Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded Executive Protection Team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad to have you joining us today. What a show. What a show. You know what? I'm going to listen. I'm going to download it and listen to it when it's done. That's how I know how good the show going to be. It's going to be so good, I'm going to download it and save it and play it on my smartphone. That's what I'm going to do. And you should tell your friends right now, this show is going to be awesome. Not because of me. You know, I try to be awesome, but... You know, I've been all born silly and losing ground ever since. So today, on today's show, why it's going to be awesome, is Deneen Borelli and her incredible husband, Dr. Tom Borelli. You all have heard of, come on, you, all, you guys have heard of them. They're absolutely amazing. Um, they are uh, frequent guests on the Fox News Channel, on the Blaze, Glenn Beck Show. They sit in for Will Cow. Um, Lots and lots of times they have their own show. Uh, and, you know, uh, I'm just going to tell you – well, I'll tell you a little bit about Deneen's book in a little bit. But really awesome people, uh, really, really good human beings. And we're going to be – today we're going to be talking very frankly. I'm just going to tell you, you know, you know me. I come at you, you know, on the real, uh, and I don't fluff stuff up. And so today we're going to be talking – about uh, the presidential candidate and billionaire Donald Trump. I don't know if he's actually a billionaire, um, but I do know. Now, this is this, I have this on very, very good authority. I mean, I'm sure of this. The dude got more money than I got. He had more money than I have. And as a result, uh, he is super rich. So, and, and you know the lightning rod statements that uh, he's been making about illegal immigration. Now, frankly, and I'll talk about this with the Borellis. Frankly, I don't really understand why it's a lightning rod. I, I don't, I don't quite get that uh, because he's telling the truth. But so we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the recent uh, speaking of illegal immigration. We're going to be talking. By the way, uh, let me just say this. I don't, I'm not sure why chat is not loading. Um, a bunch of people are sending me messages saying, dude, I can't get into chat. I don't really know why. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure why. I, I have no idea. Uh, so I'm sorry. Um, that's about all I can tell you. I keep trying to load it, and it won't load. So um, I'm not what you would refer to as technically savvy. 
So, uh, but I like saying technically savvy. You know, it's kind of kind of cool, kind of cool sounding. Anyway, anyway, great show for you. We're also going to talk about the recent recent tragic shooting in San Francisco, uh, and and that is involves an illegal immigrant. Now, people want you to say uh, undocumented alien. Remember, I always say the uh, the co-option of the language. Uh, by the way, folks, I, I, I can't get the, the chat thing to work. I, I'm really sorry because I know you have a million questions and uh, people are really eager to talk to uh, the Borellis, but or you know, send your questions. Chat is a great place to do that. Uh, if you have my personal number, send me text messages. Um, and and by the way, I want to get this out of the way right up front. I want to thank my buddy um, Philly Bob. He's a good buddy of mine, and uh, and he's uh, friends with the Brellies, and and he he is the one that connected us. And so I I want to publicly thank him for that. He really is a, a great supporter of the show, and we really really appreciate it. Um, that said. You know, there there's a lot, a lot going on in this country as it relates to a lot of different things. Uh, I, I will say that I've been getting a lot of. Oh, let, let me let me do this really quick. Let me do this really quick. I'm going to tell you why you should not send me emails because I have forty thousand one hundred and eight unread emails. Forty thousand unread emails. You see, here's the crazy thing. The show, you know, we have just under half a million listeners uh, by what the, the little thing says. But what really matters, folks, what, what and, I, and I, I don't want to make it sound like I don't appreciate you. Um, I don't appreciate you listening. I, I do. I, I love it. And I love how the show has spread because, uh, you know, you guys are awesome. You did this. It's not because I'm doing anything awesome. I believe it's the power of God um, working through his servants, uh, albeit a messed up, jacked up servant. No doubt about that. Let's be, let's be, <laughs> y'all are like, uh, Dr. Sean, you didn't have to tell us that you was messed up in the head. We already know that. So anyway, but I have 40,000, over 40,000 unread emails. So sending me an email is probably not going to be the, the best customer service experience you've ever had. At some point, once I get enough subscribers and you know we can we can uh, sustain the show on uh, donations or not donations, but you know advertisers, uh, we will. I'll hire somebody. I'll, I have somebody in mind. I'll hire, and they will. They'll go through all that stuff and and be. They'll be better at it than me because I. Uh, um, I'm not. I'm not great at it. Um, so, all that said to say. You know, if you have my number, text message me. People say, man, I can't believe you actually have given all these people your number. Um, texting for me works really well. But, but, if you want to support what I do, because this is part of a multifaceted uh, ministry that I do. I do uh, travel around the country and speak. I have a Kehala, which is a, a, a gathering of the followers of the way on Sunday in Newark, Delaware, Every sun, pardon me, Sundays at uh, they're actually at, we start at five, 
Um, and so uh, let me, all right, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to have to say it. I just have to say it. Yesterday's food, crazy. We start at 5. We get together at 5, and originally it was supposed to be just a little snacks, but I'm telling you, these people in my Kehala, they are my favorite audience. They are serious about cooking and food, and it's it's all, for the most part, very healthful. Um, my good friends, by the way, Sean, uh, he is the manager. He's the originator and manager of our God and Country Facebook page. Uh, he's an active-duty fireman, military fireman. He does a phenomenal job, but whew, the food they bring, and Miss Charlotte, and and just everybody, and, and Joe's brownies are crazy, and Colleen and Doyle are all the time making stuff. Everybody, everybody up in there. Uh, Wes keeps us supplied with fried chicken, good fried chicken. I'm telling you, these people are amazing people. So at 5 o'clock, we get together, and we, we have a little meal together. It's very low-key. It's fun, very low-key. Um, and then at 5.30, of course, we go live. If you're, if you're a subscriber, you know because you get the notifications. We go live for one hour. And uh, it's it's truly a church service, but it's it's different. It's a message uh, different than you've probably ever heard because I'm I'm Black Road Regiment kind of guy, and uh, so we do. You know, the name of this show is the Collision of Faith and Politics. So, uh, but that's Sundays with Doctor Sean, and so it's it's more Bible oriented. Um, and so, but I'd love for you if you're in. We have people literally that come. They only they're only sixty three miles from New York City, and they come. If you can believe that, that is absolutely crazy. But they they come. Uh, we've had people come from as far away as almost at, at D.C. Uh, so it's in Newark, Delaware. If you're Maryland, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, come and see us. We'd love to see you. Go to my uh, theninjapastor.com, theninjapastor.com. If you want to support our ministry and what we do, there's a donate button there. Uh, just click on that, and we're very um, – we're very fastidious about pouring everything right back into the ministry. So that's how we do it. This is what I do. So I have no other job. But uh, the folks at the KLR are amazingly generous and wonderful. And, and I'm telling you, you will love them. We also have music, by the way. Uh, we have a violinist slash fiddle player. When we can talk him into uh, hitting us up with a little bit of bluegrass, he will tear it up, I'm telling you. But we sing and we do different things. It's fun. I'm telling you, it's fun. And people always, when I do the Sunday show, they always tell me, you don't, you guys don't really have all that food. Because sometimes I'll walk down the row where all the food is. And I'll, I'll name the food and nobody can believe it. But I'm telling you, it's for real. Anyway, so if you want to go to the, the ninjapastor.com uh, and click on that donate thing. And, and I'm not exactly sure how it works because, again, but the web lady is just unreal. Uh, Kim Paul um, is just absolutely amazing. True Vine web creation. She does our web page for us and, and does a phenomenal job. So you can do that there. Uh, but also go to God and Country Radio. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. And if you click on sign up there, you know, I was talking about subscribing. It, all you have to do is click on that sign up. It makes it super easy. But if you're not a Facebook person, you just you say, I'm not into Facebook. Just go to the blogtalkradio.com backslash the ninja pastor. Click on subscribe. Boom. Bada bing. Bada boom. You're done. We don't sell your information. So anyway, so we are going to talk about this. It's tragic. This this situation in San Francisco is tragic. Uh, you know, the, the uh, sanctuary city. 
Uh, we're going to talk with the Borellis about the recent tragic shooting in San Francisco, uh, in which a, a, a beautiful young American woman was murdered by an illegal alien. Now, here's here's the thing: he had seven felonies on him, and mo- and he'd been de- he'd been deported. He'd been deported. Not like uh, you know, oh, we didn't know about him. He had seven felonies, and he'd been deported before. Um, it, but the thing is, is once he figured out that San Francisco is a sanctuary city, that's where he came. Of course, you know he's going to go there because he's never going to be reported to ICE uh, immigration. You know they're they're not going to do that. So the bottom line is the federal government refused to deport him, and then after which um, he committed murder. And 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 I don't call them undocumented aliens. I call them illegal aliens. You know there is a. Uh, there is a very real, very, very real, and and this is as plain as I can say it, folks, very, very real situation that we're in in this country. And and we're going to unpack this with the Borellis. They're, they're absolutely phenomenal. Uh, they're great Americans. I'm telling you, many of you who have heard Deneen uh, talk, maybe you don't realize that Dr. Tom Borelli, her husband, absolutely accomplished man. When I when I give you their bios, you're going to be blown away. Just really, really um, phenomenal. Both of them are just amazing people. So join us now. You know, obviously you're listening now, uh, and share this on social media. If you're home, um, and and you have the ability to text this uh, to somebody uh, or to get on uh, Facebook, just send them the. Send them the link. Uh, there's a short link on uh, Facebook on my uh, Sean Greener, Sean Michael Greener, Facebook as well as the God and Country Radio page and Twitter. Uh, you can follow me at the Ninja Pastor, by the way, and it's on there too. So if you're on Twitter, so after the Borellis, I'm going to be teaching you. First of all, isn't that enough? You know all of what I said we're going to do, but. Uh, after the Borellis, because I know they can't stay on the whole time, after the Borellis uh, have to go, um, I'm going to be teaching you on what Scripture really has to say about protecting yourself. It's going to teach you some amazing things. Protecting yourself with your modern-day sword. You say, what's your modern-day sword? Uh, it's your gun. They didn't have guns back then, but contextually, uh, that's that's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with. So. Um, you know, just so you know, that's uh, that's what's coming uh, at the end, and and I want you to know that that's going to be very worthwhile as well. It's going to be very powerful. I'm going to have some incredible information for you, and and really empower you because you know there's a lot of Christians that um, they reach out to me, ding ding ding, they reach out to me and they say, you know, Doctor Sean, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm just not sure, as a Christian, what I'm supposed to do here. What I'm supposed to do? What I'm supposed to do? They just don't know, um, and it's hard. I, I'm telling you, it, it is hard. It's it, it's a challenge. It really, really is. Uh, to know as a Christian, and what am what am I supposed to do? There's a lot of misinformation out there about we're supposed to be. Uh, pacifist and this and that and look that's a that's a leftist reinterpretation of it's revisionist scripture you know I talk about revisionist history the left 
always wants to revise history, just like they're doing with the Confederate flag and so many things. Uh, they're revising history to mean something it doesn't. They're doing it for power, for votes, and to, to sustain their agenda, to keep them in power, to put them in power. That's what it's about. So anyway, I, I want to welcome uh, every week uh, the publicists that have listened to this show and and then have given me advice uh, over the, the time that I've been doing this show, which is a new show. We're just under half a million listeners, and, and uh, I think we were we were under half a million listeners. Uh, probably Jerry and Sean could probably tell me uh, in under a year. I think I think we hit that number just under half a million, just over four hundred thousand, and uh, we're real close to hitting that half a million. So we'd love to do that. But the number that really matters, it really makes a difference for advertisers, is the subscribe number. And also likes and well, I don't know about likes, not likes, um, follows on Facebook and then follow on Twitter at the Ninja Pastor. That kind of stuff. I mean, that gives us uh, more of a mouthpiece. I have a little tiny mouth, but I have a lot to say. So it apparently, even though very small, my little tiny mouth works very, very well. It's multipurpose. So I, but I, I do want to say uh, every week, uh, you know, the, the the publicists have all said. You know, you got to stop doing this every week. It's nice that you thank the troops and blah blah blah. That's really really nice. We love them, yada yada. But and the and the Gold Star families. Uh, but you know, every week it just wears people out. And I have to say, every time they say that, I say no and thank you for your help. Uh, but uh, I I also want to welcome citizens, everyday citizens who uh, uh, you you go to work every day. Uh, you you pay your taxes you you have a you have a, a business maybe you employ people uh you are um you're just doing great things and you're doing it every day you're raising your family you're raising good citizens you love the you love the constitution you love um self governance the idea of self governance uh and, and that's important to you and and you're just doing a great thing well i have to say I want to thank you for listening as well because you know what? You have children or, or spouses or, or relatives that, that go off to war uh, and even in, in peacetime, which we'll, we're, we'll never be in peacetime again. I don't know if you know that. Um, I do a whole series on at the, uh, it's, uh, theninjapastor.com and also on iTunes. I forgot to tell you, we are also on iTunes. I always forget that every week. Um, and so that's all free. All that stuff is free. Put all that stuff out. And as long as I can do it for free, I want to continue doing it for free. This show, by the way, is not free. Uh, it's not. It's free to you, but it's not free to me. I have to pay to do all this stuff and all the equipment and, you know, to pay for the venue and all that stuff. So anyway, that's why the, the donations are so important. Um, all that said to say this, you send people off to war and you support them, you encourage them. All of those things, and so you are. I don't ever want you to think that I, I think of you as a second-class citizen because you weren't. Uh, I w- I'm a veteran, and um, I'm very proud, uh, very very proud to um, to really uh, be a veteran. And it is, um, it's just uh, I don't know. You know, it, it's a it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Hey, listen, you know what? We're going to go to commercial here really, really quick. I want you to listen to this ad, and then we'll be right back. Here we go. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun, you need to listen up. You need to get a pen. You need to get paper. 
something, you need to click into your notes in your smartphone and, and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. Listen, you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be the second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. Well, I, I've got homeowner's coverage. That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a public, a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they're, they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20 630. That's a Ninja Pastor's number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you know, sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show uh, to follow the show. But there's links on there. Once you do that or on that page, there's a link there. And that will show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in, and once you get your money back, your free uh, month back, they, they never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Join today. Well, thank you for listening to that. I really appreciate that. I just want to welcome all warfighters, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and Sheepdogs, uniformed and clandestine services standing on the line for us. And uh, I just want a uh, special shout-out to our Marines in the Tidewater area of Virginia. Welcome back. We're glad you're here. Uh, one Marine in particular, I'm glad you were here for your uh, sweet one-year-old's birthday. That's awesome. And uh, hello to the Army Rangers. I know of some Army Rangers listening uh, halfway across the globe. Thank you for listening. It's an honor. I look forward to seeing you in October. And Rangers, lead the way. Finally, I want to say uh, hello to the United States Navy SEALs listening around the world. By the way, I've just gotten about nine messages from them, none of which can I say on the air. They start off, you know, very, you can say, uh, you know, I think what they want me to do is start reading their message. And uh, the gist of it is, is, hey, you guys are great. Thanks for your support. Keep supporting us. Remember, we are at risk. So while I'm at this microphone, listen, I'm not going to allow our country to forget about you. You who listen to me are going to know that I will not allow our country to forget about you. And 
Speaking of don't forget about them, the Gold Star families, the, the soldiers who went overseas and they gave everything. They gave the last final measure of devotion. Uh, they are uh, – we, we can't forget them. But you know who can't forget them? who truly, truly can't forget them every day, is the families they've left behind. Those are Gold Star families. So I want to give a shout-out. I support three particular uh, organizations that deal with Gold Stars um, all across the United States. The, the, uh, I just want to say hello to the Michael Strange Foundation, Charlie and Marianne, uh, the Hill Group, Sean and Angie. You guys are awesome. All the other great volunteers there. Uh, you put the U in the USA. And also to Debbie Lee, my friend and sister, uh, Debbie Lee. She... Debbie Lee, I'll tell you, she's with America's Mighty Warriors. Her son, Mark Allen Lee, was killed, a first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. And one of Mark's teammates was hurt very seriously uh, a week ago. And she immediately, Debbie Lee, immediately mobilized the forces. And uh, at America's Mighty Warriors.com or .org, I can't remember which it is, um, you can actually donate to help with this care. You say, Wait a second. He's in. He's a an active duty Navy SEAL. Well, here's the problem with that. You think the government's going to take care of them? They're not. That's that's a, a farce. You know what's going on in the VA and all this stuff. Uh, but also, I want to thank uh, you know um, Karen and Billy Vaughn for all of what you do, taking up the fight for our soldiers. You guys in Operation 300 do an amazing thing with your camps and all that stuff that you do. But right now, I want to welcome in. Tom and Deneen, Dr. Tom Borelli and Deneen Borelli, you all know who they are. They're absolutely amazing. But Deneen is the author of Backlash, or uh, Blacklash. I always, I always pronounce that wrong. Blacklash, How Obama and the Left Are Driving Americans to the Government Plantation. And I'm telling you, you guys like how I tell it to you straight. Folks, Deneen Borelli pulls no punches in this incredible book. She is the director of outreach with Freedom Works and uh that's a if you guys aren't familiar with Freedom Works, I, I don't know many people who aren't, but it, maybe you're not. Maybe you're overseas and we have a lot of people that listen uh, in other countries. Uh it's a grassroots organization that educates, trains and mobilizes volunteer activists to fight for lim limited government. And if you've ever watched Fox News, I don't she was in fact on today. Uh and she was uh, on a I don't want to say a panel, but she was also a guest with um, Jimmu Green, and it, it just drives me crazy. We're talking about immigration a little bit and, and illegal immigration, but that gets glossed over really fast. But Deneen, she just stays in there and fights. She keeps it classy all the time. But she's, you know, if, if you've ever watched Hannity, O'Reilly, Fox and Friends, she's been on that a lot, Your World with Neil Cavuto, uh, Fox Business, Lou Dobbs, Imus in the Morning, The Willis Report, and she also, uh, by the way, we need to pray for Glenn Beck. She's also been on uh, Glenn Beck's GBTV and on a show, and, and Tom's also been on there. Um, really phenomenal. And they, the way they approach what they do and how they do it is just so excellent. It's just it just just reams of excellence coming out of them. But uh, So she's frequently on there. But Glenn, as many of you know, uh, has got to uh, be off the air and rest his voice for a month. And he'll, he can tell you more about that. But uh, but she's, I mean, she whatever she writes, whatever Tom writes, whatever Deneen writes, phenomenal stuff. Los Angeles Times, Philadelphia Inquirer, Chicago Tribune, Sacramento Bee, Baltimore Sun, Washington Examiner, Washington Times. Uh, if you've ever been to a Tea Party rally where Deneen has spoken, you'll be blown away. Uh, the, the, if you were at the Freedom Works 9-12-2009, the March on D.C., there was over 800,000 people there. Um, so 
Deneen does some amazing stuff. But I want to tell you, um, her story is just absolutely inspiring. She worked full-time and attended classes at nighttime, college classes at nighttime. Uh, and she got her B.A. in managerial marketing from Pace University in New York City. And if if that isn't enough, Dr. Tom Borelli, senior fellow with FreedomWorks, uh, he's an authority on, which I hope we can get to this today because it's an absolutely fascinating topic, um, tremendous topic. He's an authority on energy policy, and uh, he does a lot of work there. Um, and uh, he's also a shareholder activist. He's he's directly challenged CEOs for adopting business strategies that seek to profit from the growth of government and regulations such as Obamacare and cap and trade. And he also, Dr. Borelli has also been on I, the list is long. I mean, you're talking about Fox News channels, the O'Reilly Factor, Hannity. Uh, I'll tell you where I like to see these guys um, is on when Sean Hannity has those panels. And I love that when he does that, these live panels that he does. Uh, and the Borellis are frequently on there because when it's their turn to talk, and, and they're so classy, they keep it classy all the time, when it's their turn to talk, you really – kind of crane your ear, you turn your ear to them, and you really pay attention because what Deneen and Dr. Borelli have to say is worth hearing. It's really worth hearing. Um, by the way, if you have Sirius XM, Patriot uh, Radio, I think it's 125, uh, they're always on there filling in for Hannity, Will Cow, David Webb, uh, you know, all of that. And also Dr. Borelli writes for Town Hall, The Blaze, dot com, real clear politics, dailycaller dot com, and Newsmax. So, but here's the thing: uh, what these folks have done, they've worked in the real world. They've worked in the real world, and and this is what makes them different. They're not just policy wonks. They're not just, you know, all talk. They've lived. Um, and one of the things Dr. Brelly has done that I really really love is he's published a lot of papers on interferon and human leukemia. Uh, he's recipient of a Bachelor of Science in Microbiology from Michigan State. Uh, he's got his Master's of Science and his Ph.D. in biochemistry from New York Medical College. Now, folks, these, these are some serious folks, and I want you to make them welcome. Welcome, Tom and Deneen. We appreciate you joining us today. Sean, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Uh, it's our pleasure to be on our show. Uh, before we get started, though, I, too, would like to thank our mighty men and women who are in the military serving our our country and keeping us free and keeping us safe. And, and thank you for their families because these individuals are gone for months and years on end. And I just want to thank all of them for what they do. I, I really do appreciate it. Hooyah. Hey, thank you for that. And I know they appreciate it. Hey, so um, I know we have, you guys are so busy uh, with all of what you do. I want to respect your time, but I know our, our audience wants to hear from you. Um, Donald Trump, I mean, he's he's kind of a lightning rod, and, 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 and everybody who listens to me knows I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I've met him several times, uh, very briefly. It's not like we're pals. I don't, I don't text him on a regular. Um, and, and he's a powerful guy. When he walks into a room, I know you guys have been in a room with him. When he walks into a room, I'm telling you, you can't help but to notice. Uh, you know, a guy is a billionaire. He didn't get that from nothing. And to, to have acquired a, a billion dollars or more in a, a tough-to-work-in city like New York City, uh, that's that's a pretty impressive thing. But his remarks 
recently, you know, the whole uh, immigration thing, um, they bring up three points for me, which I know you guys are, are very, uh, just very, very sharp on. And that is, he says he would build a wall between the United States and Mexico. Uh, Mexico. And in fairness, and in interest, let's be intellectually honest here. Our issue really is less with a, an actual physical wall than it is with an agenda-based political policy to garner votes and power. Uh, what do you when you when you heard? Uh, and I'm sure you guys soon after you said it, as close as your ear is to the ground. Soon after he said it, you guys were probably aware. What did you think when when that came out? What did you think when he said that? Hey, Sean, this is Tom. Uh, thank, thanks again for having us on, and, and sorry oh for uh, it's taken us a couple of weeks with our schedules. But, oh, uh, no problem. We, we no did want to uh, keep our commitment. Um, you know, Mr. Trump is a very interesting individual, as you mentioned. He has amassed, you know, billions of dollars. I think it's $9 billion, actually, is his fortune. And, he, you know, he's done it through, you know, hard work and perseverance. And, you know, like a lot of Americans do, we just work hard, and sometimes others do better than um, other, other people. But I think, you know, what, what Donald Trump is doing, he's tapping into a frustration of both people on the left and the right of the failure of establishment politics. And for those who don't like Donald Trump, well, especially the elected officials, they could look in the mirror and thank themselves because they did not address the immigration issue. You know, for years, we have laws on the books that are not being enforced. So when you leave a vacuum, someone who has money, who is frustrated, is going to step up. He's not you know, he, he's, he's, he's obviously, as you mentioned, a physically big man, but he's also a CEO. He runs his own company. So he's going to talk in plain, aggressive language. So while his, his uh, comments might were extreme in terms of his assessment, but he did tap into the frustrations of Americans that our elected representatives really aren't representing our interests. And that's why in a lot of these early polls, you know, he's coming in number two or three. Because the bottom line is, and Denise and I have been part of the Tea Party movement from the start, we the people are frustrated with the people who we put in power. And even more now with the Republican Congress, they have done absolutely nothing to stop President Obama's radical agenda. So when I think of Trump, I think of someone who's really just stepped into that vacuum, and he's going to shake up, you know, the political establishment. I'll hand it over to Deneen, but in one of the uh, recent interviews, Deneen called him a disruptor of, of, of politics, and that's exactly what happened. He's a, he's a disrupting technology in a political force. Well, sure. I called him a, you know, a disruptor like uh, the Uber uh, automobile is. Uh, that's mm -hmm. really... Uh, uh, taking a hold of uh, the consumer uh, individual who needs a ride and don't want to wait for a taxi. They could just uh, tap into their smartphones and, and have a car at, at, in a moment's notice. Well, uh, I see him as someone who was stepping in uh, to who could possibly fill that void, just like Tom just mentioned, how our, our usual suspect politicians have not addressed the immigration issue. And so, um, again, with politics, anything is possible, Sean. But uh, Tom and I also see individuals getting involved in politics on the local level as well. People are tired of politics as usual and politicians saying one thing and doing another once they're elected. So we see this not only on a national level but on a local level as well when we travel 
to different parts of the country to speak to these grassroots individuals who are very concerned about the direction of our country. Uh, you both said something that I think is really important, uh, and I know it is a curiosity to a lot of people. We're very fortunate. I'm so fortunate to have such great friends. Um, the Honorable Elizabeth Letchworth, uh, that's her uh, maiden name. Uh, she's since married, but she's a good friend of mine, and and she worked in Washington as the Secretary of the Majority for uh, many, many years. And she oftentimes comes on this show and gives us the the uh, the inside scoop on what's really going on in Congress. But I want to ask you guys, and I know our audience is curious about this. You mentioned the the majority Congress. We we have a majority now. Why are they so feckless? Why? What is it about them that is so uh, weak? Well. <laughs> The first thing you have to know about the vast majority of elected officials is the one thing they want to do is keep getting elected. Right. And it's like any sports team. If you have a big lead, sometimes they sit on the ball. Right. You know? <laughs> they and, and in this instance, this metaphor, they have the lead because they have a job. Right. They could possibly lose their job if they start advancing policies and start drawing the wrath of the you know the, the liberal media. So they're all too concerned about getting a bad headline, getting bad PR. So the way to survive within the Washington circles for far, far too many elected officials is to play it safe. It's always, oh, just give us the Senate and then we'll stop Obama. You know, tick, tick, tick. Now we have Congress. Now we have to wait another two years till we have a Republican president. Tick, tick. And the ticks represent the, the debt that's keep going up and up. And what it is, it's really that inside political game where you have a combination of big business, elected officials from both parties, even the president. They figure out a way where they all benefit, and the debt keeps going up, and we keep losing our freedoms. And, you know, this is the the challenge that we have, and, and that's why a lot of people are for, you know, for term limits and, uh, you know, a lot of other vehicles to try to get these elected officials uh to pay attention more to we the people. And well, Tom, oh, go ahead, Sean. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, and to piggyback on Tom's point, uh, this is why so many Americans are getting involved in what's going on polit- politically on a local level and national level. Um, they're watching and they're questioning our representatives, what they're doing, what they're saying. Uh, I hope your listeners will uh, take a look at the website, conservativereview.com. Both Tom and I are involved uh, with this initiative, and really it's a way for Americans to hold our elected representatives accountable. Uh, We have grade letter scores of how these representatives vote. We have a six-year record uh, of these votes and also in-depth profiles. Because when you think about it, when elections roll around, you may not remember something a, a, a politician said or did years ago, and they all of a sudden they're 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 conservative. <laughs> when mm-hmm. years ago right. they voted a certain way, and you know who was this person? Well, in this regard, all the information, all the research is there for the voters. So it's conservativereview.com, and uh, I think it's a great uh, source, a resource of information. Uh, for people, uh, as much information as you want or as little 
information as you want. But I tell you, a, a number of years ago, uh, there weren't all that many people who were really keeping an eye on our politicians. I mean, I, for one, didn't care what they did a number of years ago. I was working, paying my taxes, and I just thought once you vote for someone, they would vote for your values and, and uh, do the right thing, not only locally but for our country. And here we are with, as Tom mentioned, uh, $18, 19000000000000 trillion in debt, and, and uh, it keeps growing, and the massive growth of government, which is really reducing our liberty on all aspects, whether it's the car you drive or the light bulb you use and these failing public schools. And so, so many individuals on the ground level are getting involved. They're playing a role. They're coming out on a Saturday afternoon to hear Tom and I speak or during a work week. People are concerned, and, and I see a lot of concern in the parents and the grandparents who are just want a good future in life for their children and for their grandchildren. People are afraid and they're concerned. Well, I'm curious. Um, I, a lot of people, I travel around the country and speak as well, and, and I'm always asked during the Q&A. I try to always have a Q&A, as I know you guys are fond of doing. Um, I try to always have a Q&A, and, and the number one question is, listen, I go to rallies. I go listen to speeches. I, I do all these things, and we work hard, and we get the folks to uh, – we get we – get, air quotes, conservatives elected. We get them in Congress. And then, like you say, you know, you look at that nine-year, that six-year history, uh, you know, they can tell you that they are they are a conservative and that they stand for conservative values and they vote along the lines. But if you have that track record, you can say, well, you're a liar because you didn't do it here. Even if we look at the uh, case of, of um, town hall meetings, now, in their origin, the citizens would tell the elected officials, we're having a town hall, you will be here at this time, and this is what we're going to talk about, because we're not happy with you. Uh, now, you know, it's like the politicians throw you a bone. And I would say it's, it's, it's not just the liberals anymore, because a lot, of the, a lot of the air quotes conservatives, those on the Republican, especially on the establishment side, they, they run from – now they don't put a rope up like Hillary Clinton does and keep the press back, but uh, but they but they are hidden. They they they're just not out there, exposed and willing to take on the questions. Like almost like we're to treat them like royalty. Sure. And and, I, and, and they're not royalty. The, the whole thing with uh, Hillary Clinton is it's it's exasperating to me, but it's not a surprise because the press has essentially been put into a pig pen and kept back by her aides with a rope, for Pete's sake. Uh, how they could not be so offended that they would just walk away, shut their cameras off, and say, you know what, we're not covering you. Uh, you're irrelevant and offensive, and we're not covering you. I know they can't do that because their job is to cover her, but when you have politicians with that attitude, my goodness, I mean, how's anything ever going to get done? How do we humble them? How do we humble them? Yeah, you're, no, that's you, you. You make some great points. Yeah, uh, politicians want to keep we the people in a pen. <laughs> they don't like the fact that we're asking exactly. questions and that we have the internet and we can do our own research and question them on uh, where they stand and why they voted a certain way. And what we need to do is remind them that they work for us, Sean. It's not the other way around. And so that's why we need to go to those town hall meetings and make those phone calls and send those emails. And, and ask for a follow-up and to be treated with respect. 
and, and answer the questions. And they don't like to be challenged. Uh, you mentioned something about Tom and I going to shareholder meetings. Uh, CEOs are the same way. They don't like to be challenged. So when, right. you, when you get in a certain position with these politicians and you have these career politicians as well, you know, in their mind, who are we to be questioning them on what they do and what they say? And they don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, let me jump in here. One of the things that's really has been really helped for for people concerned about liberty is basically social media, and technology, mm-hmm. and within a few clicks, all these elected officials, all these CEOs, all these brands, they all have egos, and they mm-hmm. always don't. You know, why they don't sometimes do what they we want them to do is they're afraid of a negative headline in a newspaper. Well, right now with social media and technology and your smartphone, you're your own reporter. There's an amazing amount of things you can do. So, again, depending whatever state you're in, um, let's pick a state, let's say, like Tennessee. Tennessee is a pretty conservative state, but yet, according to the conservative review ranking, both the senators, I believe, have an F. That is a failing grade in terms of the way they vote with conservative principles. So if you're in Tennessee... You can go to Conservative Review, look up that profile of Senator Corker and Senator Alexander, find one or two issues that you're passionate about, cut, paste, and tweet it out. Put it on your Facebook page, and they will start to pay attention. And what we've done with with technology, what we've done with Conservative Review, we've lowered the barrier to entry. It would take a lot of time and effort, which we're way, people are way too busy to, un- to undertake that kind of a research project, but it's all been done, and it's all free for people just to sign up for free and go on and become an activist. Well, um, I wanted to, uh, and, and you brought something up to me that I remembered. Um, I wrote an article some years ago called, uh, I did it for As a Mom magazine, Pick Three to Be Free. And in in that article, one of the things I talk about is, look, you can't do – Reagan said, you know, nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. Um, Picking one or two or three issues and really – just really uh, digging into that and and use the tool of the Internet that we have to to do good, solid research – and then and then get involved, get engaged. Now, this situation with the border, um, we have a border. Now, it isn't secure. We, we, there can be no debate about the fact that it, it isn't secure, and there can be no debate about the fact that we don't really have a plan. Uh, we've agreed as a nation, I guess maybe not, because uh, Obama's administration uh, and, and all of his supporters have not agreed that, look, there's rules. As a nation, there are rules, and, and in order to cross the border, you have to meet certain criteria. But we, for whatever reason, I know the reason, I know you know the reason, um, we, we just don't secure it. We don't put up it. We have the technology to build phenomenal uh, walls and barriers and, and all these things. We, we have all that. And we hear you know the, the carping about, well, it's, it's hundreds of miles, and you know it's, it's, it's rough terrain. And it would be virtually impossible to build a secure wall. You know, come on. Uh, it, that's, that's a ludicrous statement from the standpoint that we know we have the technology. 
to build them. Uh, Israel it, it could build – if they could build what they've built, then certainly we could do it. And Donald Trump has said one of the things he said is, look, who is who is who are we encouraging or who are we permitting to emigrate to our country from another country? And this is exasperating to me, and let me know what you think of it. But why does the president of Mexico get to decide who we keep as citizens? Because people will come over here and they won't take them back. Well, they're rapists, murderers, robbers. You know, they're illegal aliens here, but they're also very serious criminals, gangbangers, all of these different things. They don't want them back. So he says, hey, you know, you, you need to have a better immigration policy. What do you make of this? What do you make of a, a president of another country being allowed to decide who gets in? Well, unfortunately, this, the whole thing is twisted. We have a, a president, the current administration, who has basically set the tone for what's going on with his executive action and individuals, and we don't even know who these individuals are or where they're coming from, what their background is, just coming across our borders and using our resources. And, yes, as you mentioned, um, how uh, Mexico is able to decide uh, who comes and who stays and they don't want them back, it, the whole thing is twisted. I mean, we as Americans, we can't just go and take up shop at any other country and just stay there. And it, it's really uh, something that must be addressed because not just crime but disease and, and all kinds of other things, the burden on our uh, our, our economic system, uh, uh, it, it really does need to be addressed, and it's going to be a, a huge uh, topic of, of discussion during the presidential election today, right up through the election. And what's even uh, more outrageous or as outrageous is this whole notion of a sanctuary city, where oh. cities, with cities like San Francisco uh, basically decide not to enforce the federal law of the United States on immigration. So local uh, law enforcement officials turn turn an eye to illegal immigrants because that's what the city wants. This is in violation of federal law, and this is how you know that young woman was killed because she was killed by an individual in a sanctuary city. And I believe he was interviewed, and I he and he made a reference to that it's good to be in San Francisco because you don't have to worry about being deported. Something along those lines. So sanctuary cities, shockingly, you know, liberal cities are a magnet. For not only illegal immigrants, but the worst type—the ones who are uh, who are felons—and you know, again, this is up to the people of San Francisco. They can sit there in that beautiful, because it is a beautiful area of the country. Mm-hmm. But you're going to sit there and not challenge your local uh, mayor and, and local policy uh, people to allow these these sorts of uh, issues, like uh, sanctuary city, to allow these people to be here illegally even when they're committing crimes then this is you know it's been said this is the government you deserve if you don't do anything about it right and you know right. tragically it's usually the people who are most innocent are the ones who get harmed by mm-hmm. these failed policies because those who the really rich people in San Francisco live behind gates and walls and big houses <laughs> Mm-hmm. Your common tourists, you know, going down Embarcadero or, you know, one of the piers and Fisherman's Wharf, they're the ones who are at risk. It's the everyday people. And unfortunately, in a city like San Francisco, California, the ultra-liberal politicians have uh, suspended, if you will, the Second Amendment. 
uh, right to carry uh, a weapon and to possess a weapon and to protect yourself and your family and your property. And so these guys come in. They don't pay any attention. And, and let's be clear. The problem is absolutely illegal immigration. And, yes, there's no debate. Rapists and drugs and murderers and terrorists and bad guys, they're definitely coming through. But here's the thing. Not all are from Mexico. We don't know where they're from. And uh, ISIS, uh, you know, if I were ISIS, I would absolutely be eager to make a little trip to Mexico because, you know, they have, what do they, have a billion dollars? They could pay off uh, politicians. They could they could land there. They could, you know, it, there's so many things that we've already found uh, material uh, from them, handbooks and things like that. But we bring up something uh, that I think to most people is a big deal, but they don't realize how big a deal it actually is, and that's the the cost of illegal. Now, I want to be clear. Illegal aliens starts, it's two words, it starts with illegal, against the law, not legal. Uh, I I have many friends who have emigrated legally to this country and they are amazing people, and they're inspiring people. And and it, it's just so frustrating to me that they did it the right way, uh, and they're the people we want. Of course, we know the people that come here legally are the ones we want because they're the people that in the very beginning of their process are going to do what's right. They're going to try to do what's right. But the cost of public assistance alone, it's impossible, obviously, to be accurate on the cost of illegal immigrants. But the Heritage Foundation, they published an article in 2013, I believe it was, and my awesome best ever super researcher um, gave me this information. The aggregate annual deficit for unlawful immigrant households is $54.5 billion. That was back in 2013. And that number, where they get that number, is uh, that while these households did pay taxes of approximately $10,334 per year, now this is back in 2013, the government benefits received by those households was $24,721. That's a deficit of fourteen grand a year. So when they tell us, when they say, well, we pay taxes, yeah, they pay taxes, but guess what? They're using... Uh, basically twice as much uh, in in benefits, and that's the that's the U.S. Census that gives us that information. And and the Liberal uh, Urban Institute they put the number at 1.9 billion dollars. We don't really even think about that, but you know our audience, I think, and you guys know this, but that's there's four different types of government benefits. There's direct benefits, which are your Social Security, your Medicare, your unemployment, your workers' comp, things like that. Then you're, you always hear the politicians talking about means-tested, and that is 80 programs, and that's 80 programs, including Medicaid, food stamps, public housing, things like that. Then you have public education. The average cost there is $12,300 per child. And then you have the population-based services, which are your police and your fire, your EMS, things like that. And I think it's important, even when we look at those numbers, is that when an illegal immigrant has a child here in the country, whether they were pregnant when they got here, that child is legal, and those numbers aren't even included in any of the government estimates. And, and look, this is not even talking about the cost in crime. So if you guys, if and this would be a smart thing, if you guys were put in charge of the United States, what would, as it relates to illegal immigration, what would the first thing you do be? 
recognize and obey the laws that are on the books. I mean, again, this isn't fair to individuals who did come here legally, who, who did do the right thing, who waited in line and had to pay thousands of dollars in, in, in legal fees and other fees. I mean, we've met individuals who have done so, and we hear from these people, and, and they tell us, uh, you know, it's not just Tom and I just saying this, it's not just words. Uh, they came here the right way, and they are beyond offended uh, mm -hmm. what's going on at our borders. And, and really, it's not economically sustainable. And you rattled off the, the numbers of reasons why. Uh, social welfare, the schools, our health facilities, it's not sustainable. But that, you know, ultimately what this really is, is it's a, it's a vote-buying mechanism by the right. progressive left. Because let's face it. If you're desperate and you're in a different country and you know there's a border, all you have to do is get across the border and you get free stuff, many people would do that because they're so desperate. But right. what we need to do is secure the border so that's really not an option. And then if people really want to get here, make them go through the process of legal immigration so that we get the right sorts of people who are looking to contribute, looking to take advantage of American exceptionalism so they can advance their lives and the lives of their families. Not to get here and just be, you know, a, a ward of the state where you just become a drone voter and you just can go on and vote for free stuff, free housing, free food, subsidized housing, subsidized food. I mean, this is really what we're fighting. Ultimately, I think this is what the illegal immigration issues about it's about a vote buying mechanism for the progressive left and and because they have co-opted the vernacular um you know they've made it wrong to say uh, uh not politically correct to say illegal alien i look at the the crime cost i think a lot of people they get intimidated by the numbers uh they they look at the numbers and and of like for instance violent crime things like that and while, yeah, it's scary, if they don't live somewhere where that stuff is in the news every day, um, let's look at something simple like the crime cost of illegal aliens as it relates to uninsured motorists. The Census Bureau, and these are crazy numbers, the Census Bureau says there's 10 million illegals, and, and that's adults in the United States. The real number is legitimate sources really say it's 20 million conservatively. Uh, but but the Census Bureau, they say 10 million. Okay, fair enough. Um, there are, by government estimates, 17 million unlicensed drivers on the road. Now, I don't want to be a hater here, but let's do the math. Unlicensed and uninsured, according to a AAA study, 20%, 20% of all car accident fatalities, this is fatalities, 20% are caused by unlicensed licensed drivers, illegal unlicensed drivers, what do they do? They get in a crash, they flee the accident, they leave the car there. They're not, they don't, you know, what do they care? I'll leave the car there. It's more important for me to get away than it is to uh, to stay and to do what I'm supposed to do. Property damage, hospital medical costs, all of these things, who pays these? And the GAO, they have a website and, and their combined cost, this is their estimate, the combined cost to provide federal and state Incarcerated illegal aliens is $1.6 billion per year. And, and Tom and Dean, that's 2010 numbers. It's way worse now. We're talking 355,000 prisoners. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. And, yeah, when you rattle off those kind of stats and figures to the left, Sean, 
they'll they'll do and say anything either to ignore the facts that are on the table or just flat out lie. And mm-hmm. really, you know, we have the facts on our side, and this is why it's so important for Americans of all backgrounds, all ages, to get involved. Even take up this issue about immigration, as Tom mentioned earlier. Pick a pick an issue or two. And just look into it, get your your bullet points down, and get involved. Get on the streets, get the word out, because it's up to we, the people, to really turn our country around. We can't just sit back and wait for politicians to do so, not at the rate we're going now. Right, right. Now, I know uh, that you guys are limited on time. How much more time do we have with you? Another five minutes or so. Okay, good, good, good. I want to hear about this church. You have a a 106-year-old Catholic church that you – it's your church that you attend, um, and it's closing at the end of the month. First of all, tell me about a 106-year-old church. That's incredible, but it's also a terrible shame. What's what's going on there? Yeah, this is uh, St. Ursula's uh, Church in Mount Vernon, New York. It's uh, the church that actually was the church I did everything in in terms of, you know, altar boy – uh, there was a grammar school that was attached to it. I was uh, graduated from there. Communion. Uh, mm. you know, uh, Denny and I got married there. I mean, everything wow. was there. My parents' funerals were there. Mm. But you know, tragically, the, the the Catholic Church is going through some difficult times in terms of attendance and in terms of you know money for these parishes. And if, mm. you know, the Archdiocese of New York has decided to close a number of parishes. So uh, my church, Saint Ursula's, our church, is closing at the end of this month. Oh. And they, they're going to be merged to, you know, with another church, and, you know, it, it's it's you know heartbreaking on, on many levels, but you know it's still a very ethnic church. You can, and it's very diverse. Um, there are actually people there who still speak predominantly Italian, uh, and actually walk to the church. I'm not sure what these individuals are going to do. Uh, so it's 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 really a, you know, it's really a shame, and it's really important for people to realize that. Uh, if you do practice the faith, you, just like politics, you have to participate. You have to go and show up. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, all too often, you know, they need to be with it, will be there, and it will be a holiday, uh, a special, you know, uh, like Christmas or Easter, and, and the place is full. And then, well, and then you know, two weeks after, there's 30, 40 people. The usual faces. The uh, usual faces. And, you know, and, yeah. and also it's not an economically advantaged community, so we still have people putting in one or two dollars in the basket. Right. And over, right. over time, this is just not, you know, just not long-term sustainable. So, um, but, I, you know, thank you for uh, raising that issue. I just thought it was a, kind of important to, to mention yeah. that. We need activism on all levels. <laughs> we really do. Church not is only free. With, with politics, but also with, with the church. Well, you know, I have a saying, church is free, but it ain't cheap. And uh, and so it, it costs money to keep things going. Um, it, it, it maybe there's some sort of group that can get together to support, uh, maybe create a fund to keep the church going and 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 pay them. I'd love for you guys, if you're ever in the Delaware, Maryland, or Pennsylvania area, come to our Kehalab. We'd love to have you come, and we do a Sunday uh, broadcast from there. It's one hour. We'd love to have you address our group. Really quick, I know you're an ener- an energy policy expert, and I know we only have a couple minutes. Yeah, sure. But energy policy means different things to different people, largely depending upon which side of the political spectrum you fall upon. What does energy policy – what's driving you about that? Well, energy is, is one of the most important uh, issues that really affect our lives, you know, our property and the, the future economy. 
and because cheap energy means you have a lot more, you have more disposable money to spend on other things, whether it be food, clothes, vacations, books, uh, entertainment. It's all on disposable income. And the higher energy prices go, the less money you have to spend on those things. More money goes to pay for gasoline. More money goes to pay for utility bills. More jobs are created when there's cheaper energy. And tragically, you know, President Obama has a war on fossil fuels. He is literally bankrupting the coal industry. We've had coal industry stocks have dropped 97%. A couple have gone bankrupt because President Obama is, is through the Environmental Protection Agency, is issuing regulation after regulation that makes it very expensive for utilities to use coal as an energy source. Mm. And so what's happened is uh, electricity prices are going up. They are going to go up a lot higher. And, and and the coal mining states are being devastated because of the lack of coal mining jobs and, and the lack of coal that's being uh, now mined and sent to utilities. And, you know, over time, we're going to see our energy prices go much higher, which means jobs will be going overseas. And then there's also the possibility without uh, coal backing up uh, our energy supply it used to supply 50% of our electricity. Now yeah. I believe it's down to 39, and they're projecting it to be in the 30s. You know, we could be looking at brownouts and blackouts uh, as they, as utilities are being forced through regulation to transition away from coal. So this right. is, you know, a, again, a, a very important issue, an issue that a lot of people don't pay a lot of attention to. But it's going to be one of those issues one day we're going to wake up, and, and either your utility bill is going to be so high or you're going to uh, flick the switch and there's not going to be any lights, and you're going to try to figure out why did that happen. What happened because, you know, citizens, A, were not aware, and B, you know, let you know, President Obama fundamentally transform the way we get electricity. I think one of the most out-of-control organizations, my, my buddy Jerry from Pennsylvania reminds me, the EPA, uh, Obama's oh, EPA, is absolutely out of control, and all the studies that they're coming out with are patent lies. Um, and we can prove that they're lies, but unfortunately, they hold the keys. And uh, you know that the whole drought in California is is a great example. They shut the water flow off, and then they said, "Hey, this is global warming." And it's and everybody that lives there says, "No." What they did was they shut the dams down, and that's what dried everything up. And it's it's just unfortunate. Well, listen, folks, I know. Uh, the folks in our audience today are, are really appreciative of you coming on. I hope you'll come on again. Uh, there's lots of things I want to talk to you about. Folks, you got to buy Deneen's incredible book, Blacklash, How Obama and the Left Are Driving Americans to the Government Plantation. If you go to um, the uh, the, webs- the, the uh, Facebook page, facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio, uh, go on there while you're there, like and sign up and do all that stuff. But we put the link there. Uh, so that you can just click on that link and buy her book. And listen, it's four and a half stars on Amazon. There's a reason for that. She has 160 reviews. I read through most of them. I'm telling you, powerful, powerful truths that you need to know that are going to empower you. And, and Dr. Tom, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and inform us, educate us on the real deal. And, and I hope you'll consider coming back on again. No, we would love to, and thanks so much uh, for having us and also for all you do, Sean. We appreciate you getting the word out to folks. Oh, it's it's my pleasure, absolutely. It's an honor. Thank and you so much. Thanks again for your patience. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. Anytime. I know you're busy. All right, you take good care, and thank you so much for joining us. You too. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, folks, how fun was that? 
Uh, you don't get any more fun than that. I'm getting a ton of messages right now, people saying, hey, um, I copied the number down wrong on second call defense. Apparently, uh, that was very well received. Folks, you got to do this. I do it. I tell you on the commercial um, that I own it. I do. You can ask them. Uh, but I wanted to say, if you call in and you say NINJA, you give the code NINJA, or you give the code 20630, they're going to give you a free month. Here's all the information. I'll be right back with you. Be right back. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun, you need to listen up. You need to get a pen, you need to get paper, something. You need to click into your notes in your smartphone and, and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. Listen, you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be to second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. People say, well, I, I've got homeowner's coverage. That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a public, a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they're, they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20 630. That's a Ninja Pastor's number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you know, sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show uh, to follow the show. But there's links on there. Once you do that or on that page, there's a link there. And that will show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in. And once you get your money back, your free uh, month back, they, they never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Join today. Welcome back, folks. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for – I just had a bunch of text messages and, and uh, messages through uh, Facebook telling me uh, thank you for replaying that because I know it's tough sometimes. I tried to go slow on that. Um, uh, you know, it's just um, – it's just one of those things. Radio is is funny because you know that's kind of a long commercial, 
for radio. But as you notice, I don't have very many commercials. But I want to get the message out there to you about second call defense because I'm telling you, if you own a gun or you, you carry a gun, it ain't what you think it is. And uh, you think that you're going to be okay uh, just with your homeowners and, and stuff, and you think somebody's going to do the right thing. They're not. They're not. Uh, the government is, is run amok, and, and so it, just pay attention to that. But thank you for reaching out to me, ding, 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 and telling me, uh, if asking me to play that again. So, And we'll put the information on the Facebook page and all that. Also, if you go to theninjapastor.com, there is a link there. You can click on that. That will also give you all the information you need, too. That might be a good idea for you to go to that one, uh, theninjapastor.com. That's my own website. And you go there, you click on uh, you click on that little button, and... There's all kinds of information on it with videos and, and all kinds of stuff. It, it'll blow your mind. So let's talk about two – by the way, weren't they great, the Borellis? They were phenomenal. I'm getting a lot of messages on that, how great they are. They're, they're nice, humble people. Uh, they're good, quality people. Really, uh, you're talking about American exceptionalism. They are great examples of that in all that they do. And, and um, we, we're fortunate to have them on our side, aren't we? Uh, so let's talk about two of my favorite subjects at once, which my buddy, uh, hopefully uh, my buddy Christopher Brock, uh, I've talked about Christopher before. He's one of the best photographers in the country. Uh, he's one of the top three in the country, uh, absolutely, but he is the top uh, photographer in the biggest wedding location, the biggest wedding industry in the entire country is Atlanta, Georgia. Now, he doesn't just do photographs in Atlanta, Georgia. He travels all over the country, um, you know, doing these. Uh, just You can't believe what he'll do at a wedding. Um, unbelievable. So anyway, but uh, he, he's, a, he's a fellow gun guy, and uh, so I hope he's listening to this because this is um, – it is – it's near and dear to me, but it's important, I think. Um, and and I get asked this question. Of course, as I said, I travel all around the country, and and I do um, a lot of speaking. And I and I always try. Well, I, I always try. If I can control uh, the the you know the timing and everything. If I have to, obviously, if I have to leave right after I speak, I can't often do this. But I love to have Q and A because I love to hear. Uh, what the politicians, you know, are, are telling our people and what those people tell us. And also when I speak in, in churches, what the, the parishioners or congregants, you know, they've been hearing stuff in their daily life and they, you know, they regurgitate some of that to me and they say, hey, we need to know what to do. But in a lot of churches, believe it or not, uh, they believe that we are to be pacifistic. As Christians, we're to be pacifistic. And we're not. Uh, in thinking about whether Christians should own guns or support the Second Amendment or defend themselves or their families with a gun, there's a few points uh, that I think will make it more clear to you. Um, first, Jesus, I, I say Yeshua, uh, but Yeshua is, is his actual name. Uh, Jesus in Greek is translated to Jesus, um, and, uh, and so, but his, his Hebrew name, because he was a Jew, still is a Jew, uh, is Yeshua. So Yeshua was very clear about his mission, why he was here on earth in the first place. People were always trying to get him to get on board with their agendas. Um, now, I'm, I'm no Yeshua, trust me. I'm, I'm nobody. I mean, I have a very small reach. And I'm really, really, um, come on, let's be honest. I'm just a little guy. 
but but people are always trying to get me to support what they do. That's why people are, you know, I always mention it. There's look, I'm I'm a fan of any any group that is supporting uh, uh, gold star families and our veterans and our active duty troops, quite frankly. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. If you're helping our veterans, our troops, our active duty troops and our gold star families, I'm a big fan, but I had to pick three, pick three to be free. And, uh, Hey, you know what? Tom Borelli just followed me on Twitter. If he follows me at the Ninja pastor on Twitter, you can too. I put some interesting stuff out. Anyway, uh, first, let's, you know, I, I just, I want you to understand that people were always trying to get Yeshua on board with their agenda. And for them, uh, the biggest thing was taking over the government or supporting or enforcing the rules of the various religious factions. And And he would constantly and gently tell them, hey, look, I'm here to make a way for you to be right with God and live forever with God in peace. He he knew he was here to die. He knew he was here to sacrifice his life, to be that pure lamb for us. That was his job. And folks, he wasn't here to change the government. He wasn't here to change... Um, any any of the commandments, certainly. He wasn't here to do away with Torah or the laws. A lot of a lot of uh Christians oh hey, you know what? Deneen Borelli also is firing if if Deneen and Tom Borelli can follow me on Twitter, guess what? You can at the Ninja Pastor. Go ahead and get with it. It's easy. Doesn't cost you anything. So Yeshua was here to make a way for us, to offer some principles to live by that were doable, livable. He never, listen, he never came and said, look, you've got to do this, and this is impossible. Now, he did give us some stuff that really, without placing our faith in him and relying upon Ruach HaHodesh, which is uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, he, listen, we need his help. We need the help of the, of the Ruach HaKodesh, or the Holy Spirit, which his death also provided to us. But see, here's the thing. The concept of good neighbor was solidified as a responsibility that we have. The idea of stewardship over your material blessings, they were emphasized. He he said, look, you know, you've got to do right among the people around you. You've got to be a good citizen. You've got to be, obviously, our first uh, obligation is... Um, Really, the deal is, is is our first obligation has to be to God, things of God, the the, the law uh, of God. We we have to obey, worship and serve, which means also to obey the law. And Yeshua came not to abolish the law. These are his words, not mine, but to fulfill it. And I'm here to tell you, violating the law has consequences. Matthew 10:34. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Don't suppose that I've come to bring, bring peace to the land. It is not peace I have come to bring, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, and a, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, so that a man's enemies will be the members of his own 
household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than he loves me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than he loves me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his execution stake and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his own life will lose it. But the person who loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, I want you to, that's from the Complete Jewish Bible. If that's freaking you out, the language in that, that's from Stern's Complete Jewish Bible. That's the one I use mostly. I use the English Standard Version and New American Standard Version, uh, but nothing, nothing against any of the others, but these are the ones that I've chosen. Look, this is, in a, in a sense, metaphorical in the sense that he came to divide families in the sense that your decision was yours, and, and look, there's going to be a consequence. You decide to follow me. You decide to obey worship and serve, there's going to be consequences. However, Luke 22:36 and John 2:13, they say sell your mantle and buy a sword. This is literal. The the other is metaphorical. Matthew 30:10:33 through 39, that's metaphorical, but Luke 22:36 and John 2:13, uh this is literal. He said to them, "When I sent you out without a wallet, pack or shoes, were you ever short of anything?" Not a thing, they answered. But now, he said, if you have a wallet or a pack, take it. And if you don't have a sword, sell your robe to buy one. For I tell you this, the passage from the Tanakh that says he was counted with transgressors has to be fulfilled in me, since what is happening to me has a purpose. They said, look, Lord, there are two swords right here. Enough, he replied. In Luke 22, uh Anyway, it was, it was almost time for the festival of Pesach in Yehuda. So uh, this is John two thirteen through nineteen. About um, it was almost time for the festival of Pesach in Yehuda. Yeshua went up to Jerusalem, which is Jerusalem, in the temple grounds. He found those who were selling cattle, sheep, and pigeons, and others who were sitting at tables exchanging money. He made a whip from cords and drove them all out of the temple grounds, the sheep and cattle as well. He knocked over the money changers' tables, scattering their coins. And to the pigeon sellers, he said, Get these things out of here. How dare you turn my father's house into a market? His Talmudim, or his, his disciples, later recalled that the Tanakh says, Zeal for your house will devour me. So the Judeans confronted him by asking him, What miraculous sign can you show us to prove you have a right to do all this? Yeshua answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up again. Now, of course, he's saying that uh, you will put him to death. You will put him to death, and then he will raise again, and according to prophecy. So Jesus is saying, look, and this is important. Uh, I'm getting a ton of messages here. Um, it, it, that are asking me, wow, is this really in the Bible? What I love about this venue uh, is that folks are that have never been exposed to the Bible are always, well, not always, but a lot of times, really surprised when I tell them that you know what the Bible says and what it means. And I love doing that because honestly, uh, the Bible is an awesome. It's actually a library of books, 66 books, um, and it's phenomenal how it's so cohesive, it comes together. But Jesus is saying that with his departure, things change. The disciples had some protection while he's here with them, while he was physically present with them, and, and he was here, he's working out God's plan on earth, but now things and responsibilities are going to be different. 
look, we're not permitted to seek retribution and revenge for personal indignities and offenses. At John uh, eighteen twenty two through twenty three, uh, Jesus protested, but he didn't resist. He knew his bigger picture responsibilities. Like I always have to remind myself, hey, what are what is the bigger picture here with my health? Uh, what's the long term goal here? You know, what's my long term goal with what I'm doing? My life is totally different now. You know, it's totally different than than what it was before. And so I have to look at the long term. I have to I have to keep in mind the bigger picture responsibilities. But he did resist with a weapon in the money changer temple scenario that I just read to you. He used a weapon. Now he, I think he would have used a uh, an AR-15 if he'd had one, or he might have used a Sig Sauer pistol if he'd had one. He might have done that if he'd had one, but they didn't have him back then. So he had a sword, and I and, and I'm just saying, look here. Uh, we told us to. He told the Talmudim to to, to get get them a sword. Uh, the other thing Christians don't do is is look. This is what we don't do. And I, let's let's be fair. Let's be honest, folks. Um, you're going to hear a correlation here, and uh, and I don't have to say it. I don't have to say what the correlation is, but you're going to hear it. The thing Christians don't get to do. This is not what we're driven to do, is to propagate our religion with a sword. Unlike Islam. I know a gazillion of you were thinking this. Islam, uh, it's driven by the sword to convert or kill their audience. Look, you're either going to join us or we're going to kill you. And in fact, they kill they kill Muslims too, if you're not Muslim enough. People are getting killed. Muslims are getting killed uh because they're not muslim enough muslims getting killed been muslims all their life not even converts to muslim they are they they've been they're born muslim you're not muslim enough so they kill them see that's the huge difference that this is the really this is the as my buddy mark her from the center for self governance likes to say, this is the secret sauce, folks. This is the huge point and the difference, the secret sauce, if you will, between Christianity and Islam. Jesus, Yeshua, was vehement on this point. Guns are swords. As a Christian, you're commanded to protect and defend. You're commanded, folks, to protect and defend your God-given possessions, your family, your neighbor from evil, the evil one. You have to protect your possessions, your family, your neighbor from the evil one and evil that's perpetrated. Look, you can't have a personal vendetta. You can't exact revenge. There's no proselytizing at gunpoint. There's no holy wars. Jesus said it was more important to have a gun, let's say, sword, than a cloak in those days. And you need to understand, look, little things don't mean a lot. Folks in my kehala and anybody that's ever heard me speak, um, by the way, you can have me come. Just contact us through the website theninjapastor.com, and we, you know, most places, it, unless it's a, if it's a secular thing, then we do have um, costs associated with me coming. You pay my expenses, and then there's a fee. Uh, but, but for churches, you, you get me there, and then you take a love offering, and then we we deal with it. God will work it out. So just contact us through the website, and we're happy to do that. But Jesus said it was more important to have a gun. Uh, which was a, uh, a sword in those days. Uh, a, but you got to understand, in those days, a cloak was used as protection. Remember what I said? 
and everybody that's heard me speak, little things don't mean a lot. Little things mean everything. It's the context. It's the Hebrew context. You've got to understand what a cloak is, what a tunic is. Uh, a cloak was used as protection. It covered your tunic or your undergarments. You slept under it at nighttime. And this is significant. And as a society, symbolically, the word cloak means to hide or, or make an excuse. Uh, could it be that Jesus was telling us to get rid of our excuses and stop hiding and defend what needs defending in a, mean, a meaningful, real-world way? Well, I don't know. What do you think? I think so. Hey, let me let me uh, do this really quick because a lot of people are asking me this, and I appreciate. And by the way, I, I'm so sorry that chat is not working. I keep trying it. I, I don't know. I'm I'm a nerd, but I'm not one of those nerds that's like a, a wealthy nerd. I have nerd glasses, and I have, uh, you know, I used to have braces and and all that stuff. But I, you know, this technology stuff, I'm I'm not great at. I'm, I'm you're like, yeah, really, honestly, come on. <laughs> like you have to tell us. Um, they're asking me about um, the the whole discussion of Trump, um, how those points, those I think I gave four points, how they could be personally offensive. Um, and I, I want to say that we are not as a nation ready to solve our immigration problems, and we're really not ready to secure our borders, because if we're not willing to stand up to our government, to it, and say, no, no, no. You're not going to do this. Look, you're putting up a wall, and you're going to put these returning troops who still have time on their on their enlistment or, or their commission. You're putting them there, and you're protecting us. You're putting them on the border, not just the southern border, but the northern border. Look, there's, I, I want to be clear. There, there, there are and there always have been great people from Latin America who immigrate to the United States, and we want them. We all want them. Even Donald Trump wants them. Folks, he's a billionaire, and he hires a whole lot of people. A whole lot of people, and he wants good people. And and I have a buddy, uh, my buddy Oscar and Jesus and Israel. They are uh, they're they're Mexican immigrants, legally, and phenomenal guys. I love these dudes. Love these dudes. They did it right. They did it right. So I want to be clear. Uh, look, we, we're not hating on legal immigration. We we are saying enough of the illegal. The legal stuff is not hurting us, just like legal gun owners, folks. Legal gun owners are not a problem in this country. Folks who have gone through NRA training, folks who have, who, you know, or I, I know people right now, I'm trying to help them to give them a kick in the butt to get their last signature on their on their. Um, their concealed carry application so they can get started with their you know their their class and their you know the background and get their photos and all this stuff and put their newspaper thing in and say hey look I'm going to I'm a, I'm I'm going to carry a gun cuz it's my second amendment right to carry a gun I'm going to do this I'm going to do this but here's the thing folks just like legal immigration, uh, good good gun people, and and and, and I, I want to throw this in. I don't want to leave this kind of hanging out there. Uh, look, if you if you are a church going, you know, even if you don't go, to, look, you, you don't necessarily have to go to church to be a great Christian. I have good friends, really good friends, who are some of the most spiritual, God fearing, God following, God honoring people you ever met in your life. But 
Listen, they got burnt in church. They got burnt bad over and over and over. Church did not do them right. Because imperfect people, you know, they inhabit the church. It's it's a place for the sick, not for the not for the well. But church people, uh, in a lot of times, I guess I'll, I'll cut to the chase here. A lot of times, church people feel like, man, I shouldn't. I should trust in God and, and, and trust in the Lord and, and place my, my faith in Christ. I don't need to have a gun. Trust God, but lock your doors. God says we have an obligation. It's just like the obligation to resist oppression inherent in our nature. We should, as free people, resist oppression. But we should get mad, just like Chris Ann Hall says, when, when abuses or usurpations or oppressions remove the liberty that's been given to us by God. Sometimes you have to exact lethal force. And people are telling me they donated. They went to the the ninjapastor.com and donated. Thank you so much. Thank you so that's I mean that's humbling to me. That's humbling how people get behind this ministry and I it just blows me away. Thank you so much. I'm I'm really really honored by that. I don't ever want you to think I'm not. That's just that's phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. Genuinely, thank you. Cain decided to kill his brother, you know, Cain and Abel in the Bible. Cain decided to kill his brother rather than get right with God. And he didn't have a gun, although he may have had a knife. Whether it was a knife or a rock, the Bible doesn't say. The point is, the evil in Cain's heart was the cause of the murder, not the availability of the murder weapon. God didn't respond by banning rocks or knives like they're trying to do in England now, in the United Kingdom. You know, they ban guns, and people are still getting shot up. But you know what? There's so many murders with knives, now they're banning certain knives. Come on, people, smarten up. It ain't about that. God's response was not to ban rocks or knives or whatever, but to banish the murderer. You see, in Genesis 9, 5 through 6, God instituted capital punishment, but said not a word about banning weapons. Larry Pratt, I'll tell you, he is uh, the executive vice president of the Gun Owners Foundation. He, I'm telling you, he does a great teaching on this uh, that, that I think is, is really second to none. Um, he, he really is, uh, I don't even know how to say it. I mean, he, he is a phenomenal example of a guy who does his homework. And so uh, he asked, did Christ teach pacifism? Many people, Christians included, assume that Christ taught pacifism. And they love to cite Matthew uh, 5, 38-39 for the proof. In this verse, Christ said, You heard that it was said, an eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. The Sermon on the Mount, this is what this passage is taken from, uh, deals with righteous personal conduct. And in this passage, Christ is clearing up confusion that had led people to think that conduct proper for civil government, that is taking vengeance, was also proper for an individual. Even the choice of words used by Christ indicates that he was addressing a confusion or a distortion that was commonplace. Look, this was a confusion. He has to address it. Several times in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Larry Pratt goes on to say, Christ used the same, you have heard it said, 
which is a Hebrew idiom, figure of speech, to straighten out misunderstandings or falsehoods being taught by the religious leaders of the time. Contrast this to Christ's use of the phrase, it is written, when he's appealing to the scriptures for authority. For example, see Matthew 4, where on three occasions during his temptation by the devil, Christ answered each one of the devil's lies or misquotes from scripture with the words, you say it with me, it is written. He told the enemy, the great Satan, he told him, you know, Scripture. He he said, it is written. So, uh, to underscore this point even more, Christ was correcting the religious leaders on their teaching that an eye for an eye applies to private revenge. Consider that in the same sermon, Christ strongly condemned false teaching. Whoever therefore breaks one of the commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.19 so clearly then, Christ wasn't teaching something different about self-defense than is taught elsewhere in the Bible. Otherwise, he'd be contradicting himself, and, and uh, for he, he'd be now teaching men to break one of the commandments, which he wouldn't do. The reference uh, uh, to an eye for an eye was taken for ex- from Exodus 21, 24 through 25, which deals with how the magistrate has to deal with the crime. Namely, the punishment must fit the crime. Religious leaders of Christ's day, they twisted a passage that applied to government and misused it as a principle of personal revenge. The Bible distinguishes clearly between the duties of civil magistrate, which is the government, or it, and the duties of an individual. Namely, God has delegated to the civil magistrate the administration of justice. Look, individuals have the responsibility of protecting their own lives from attackers. Christ was referring to this distinction in the Matthew 5 passage. Now, there's a, there's a difference here. There's roles of the government and roles of individual. And the Old Testament and the New Testament teach individual self-defense, even if it means taking uh, your opponent or your assailant's life in certain circumstances. Exodus 22, 2-3 tells us that if a thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun is risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution if he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. In other words, if he lives, then he's, he's got to make good. One conclusion that can be drawn from this is that the threat to our life is to be met with lethal force. After the sun is risen, refers to a different judgment than the one permitted at night. At night, it is more difficult to discern whether an intruder is a thief or a murderer. So you have to exercise judgment or discernment. Furthermore, the nighttime makes it more difficult to defend oneself to avoid killing the thief at the same time. During the daytime, it better be clear that one's life was in danger. Otherwise, defense becomes vengeance, and that belongs in the hands of the magistrate. But it's also idiomatic because, you know, it talks about the thief coming at nighttime. Um, you know, it's also talked about that that it's, it's like... A, the thief comes in the night, be prepared, and, and all of this. Um, nighttime is, is uh, metaphorical for darkness in the sense of evil. Uh, but also, if the sun rises on him, that is also idiomatic for the sun rises on you um, and you live, then you have to go. So there's really two meanings there that can be taken from that. Then you have to make it right. If you're the thief and you're stopped, you've got to make it right. So trusting God, another question asked by, and Larry Pratt does a great job with this, doesn't having a gun imply a lack of trust that God will take care of us? Almost everywhere I go speak, they always ask me that because I'm known as the ninja pastor. If you go to the 
um, executiveprotectionteam.com, you'll understand why I'm called that. So Christians in the Q&A, they always, they always, the audience will always say, hey, doesn't, if you have a gun, doesn't that imply a lack of trust uh, that God will take care of us? Yes, God will take care of us. He's also told us that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments in John fourteen fifteen, Those who trust God work for a living, knowing that 1 Timothy 5, 8 tells us, but if anyone doesn't provide for his own, especially those of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. For a man not to work... Yet to expect to eat, he, you know, he says, "Look, I, I'm just sitting here trusting God." That kind of lazy man is going to have skinny kids with bad shoes, and he and he he'd actually be defying God. Look, we have to take care of our families. King David wrote in Psalm 46:1 that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And this didn't conflict with praising the God who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. That's Psalm 144:1. Look, the, the doctrine of Scripture is that we prepare and we work, but we trust the outcome to God. Those who trust God should also make adequate provision for their own defense, even as we are instructed in the passages that I just talked about. Look, if, if, you, uh, if you refuse, for a man to refuse to adequately provide for his and his family's defense, he would be defying God. There's a lot of wussy men. How many of you, uh, I don't, I'm not sure where this is, it's on iTunes or on uh, theninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. I'm not sure where this, this is, and it might even be on, I have to see where it is, but um where I talk about the alpha male, a man's man. Uh, and I and one of the things I talk about in that, and I've also given that speech all over the country, um, in that speech I talk about the mealy – you know, there's men wearing uh, capris, capri pants, and, and uh, you know, all these heels and all – I mean, it's silly. There's men wearing makeup and all this mess. Come on, folks. Those are the same men that will say, oh, no, I'm not going to – I'm not – no, I'm not a fighter. And in the church, in the in the Christian church, um, there are a lot of men who say, "Look, I, you know, God's got me. I, I trust God. I'm not, I'm not a fighter. I don't need to arm myself. God will protect me." Remember when Satan was tempting Yeshua in the wilderness? He challenged Yeshua to throw himself off the top of the temple. He said, "Just throw yourself off there." Because if, cause if, if you really are Yeshua, won't God's angels, won't your father's angels, won't they protect you? Yeshua responded, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, Matthew 4, 7. Look, you may think that you're being pious to say one is trusting in God for protection, and, and we all must do that. But it is tempting God if we don't take the measures that he laid out for us in the Bible. But where I think people get a lot uh, really, really jacked up, oh, my buddy my buddy says, uh, in New York, men get their nails done like they get them. I, I've heard of men getting manicures and pedicures, especially people that are on uh, television. I have terrible nails. Um, in my crash, the two middle, this is kind of gross for radio, but the two middle nails, my middle finger and my ring finger on both hands, the nails blew off. The impact was so severe, the nails actually blew off my hand. It was disgusting. Um, and I don't even think they ever found I don't know. It's really weird, really weird thing. 
But uh, but you know, to have your nails painted and all that stuff, I just I don't know. I don't know. Uh, plus, I don't like anybody messing with my feet. Ugh. So anyway, uh, I digress. Um, we need to talk about the role of government because I think a, a big problem. And, and you remember Chris Ann Hall was on. Uh, she is a great, great. Uh, uh oh, we got other New Yorkers saying, "Leave New Yorkers alone." <laughs> now I love New Yorkers. One of my one of my buddies is a a New Yorker. Um, from Brooklyn, Morty. And uh, so anyway, um, we we need to understand the role of government. That's just a fact. And if you don't, look, if you think the government knows all the answers and they know who they are and they're always going to do who they're supposed to be, they're going to be who they're supposed to be, then you're going to get taken advantage of. Don't be a sucker. Christians aren't supposed to be suckers. Jews aren't supposed to be suckers. We're supposed to know. You know, the first murder, first recorded murder uh, in Genesis 4 I just talked about, Cain killed his brother Abel. God didn't say, you know, God ultimately is the government. Uh, he didn't say, okay, now we have to register rocks and we have to do background checks and anybody getting a plow, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have to whatever it is he used, we're gonna have to register those now so we know who has them. No, what did God do? Adonai Elohim. What did he do? He dealt with the criminal. Ever since Noah, the penalty for murder has been death. Now, I, I, uh, one of my great buddies, I talked about him before, love this dude, uh, Christopher Brock. He, he did a thing on his Facebook page uh, where he said, hey, where do you stand on, on – uh, I'm taking a little poll here. Where do you stand on capital punishment? And I was – you know, I said, look, I, I'm pro-capital punishment when it's beyond a shadow of a doubt that the person killed the other person. Frankly, I'm, I'm a fan for rape as well. I think if you rape another person or you, you victimize a child in that way – uh, or the elderly, you you you're an evil. You you can't be, you can't generate good. You you are inherently evil. But my view on the the, the uh, capital punishment thing is, if I could trust my government to do something right, to administrate justice properly, then yeah, okay, I you know I can see that. I can see that. I'm I'm pro capital punishment. It's funny. Have you ever noticed that people who are uh, violently and vehemently uh, anti uh, – they, they are so pro-abortion, they are super anti-death penalty. I find that incredible. So the people who have committed hor- horrible crimes, we want to keep them alive. But a, a baby who's committed no crime, we want to kill them. It doesn't make any sense. But God dealt with the criminal. He, he, he didn't deal with the, the tool. Come on. There's a refusal to accept the principle that God's given us from the very beginning. And uh, there's a lot of people say, look, you know, we need to do the criminal background checks. We need to, you know, all of those things. We need to do all of those things to keep everybody safer. And you know what? I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, you know, we should do a cursory check. That doesn't hurt me. Check on me. Make sure I don't have a felony. Make sure I don't have a violent past. You know, make sure I haven't been incarcerated. Um, you know, slippery slope. When I'm getting a lot of messages now, well, talking about the mental health backgrounds. You know, all of these, all of these guys that have done these horrific mass shootings have been on uh, crazy drugs, and um, they're, you know, they're, and everybody knew they were, they were mentally ill. 
but nobody wanted to do anything about it. But they didn't get their guns legally. This most recent one, you know, for which the the Confederate flags are being taken down everywhere, that one is due to, uh, you know, oh well, he had a Confederate flag in one of his pictures, and he was on on his tank top or whatever. Come on, people, smarten up. Smart enough. That guy didn't get his gun legally. His dad gave it to him, which his dad should should pay for that. He should go to jail for that. It's against the law already. Matthew 15 and Mark 7, uh, Christ accused the religious leaders of the day of also opposing the execution of those deserving death. Rebellious teenagers. They had replaced the commandments of God with their own traditions. God has never been interested in controlling the means of violence. He's always made it a point to punish wherever possible you know, and I, this is important. Wherever possible, he also instituted restoration, as with restitution, excommunication, things like that, of the wrongdoer. Control of individuals is to be left to self-government. Punishment of individuals by the civil government is to be carried out when self-government breaks down. I'm telling you, Larry Platt stuff, I might make this available, this link to this, on uh, on Facebook, and I agree 100%. Man's wisdom today has been to declare gun-free school zones. I, I, you know, drives me crazy. Drives me absolutely crazy. Gun-free criminals don't obey those signs. Criminals don't go get background checks. Criminals don't sit and wait for waiting. Period. They don't do it. They steal guns. Well, if we got rid of all guns, there would be no guns to steal. How do, do you have Velcro shoes? Because there's no way you are able to tie your shoes in the morning if that's how you think. God, God, nowhere in the Bible does God make any provision for dealing with the instruments of crime. He always focuses on the consequences of the individual of their actions. Folks, stuff doesn't go to heaven and hell. Only people go to heaven and hell. Not stuff. Responsibility doesn't pertain to things, only to people. This this whole lawsuits against gun manufacturers is ridiculous. They'd all be thrown out unless the product malfunctioned. Let's say a, a gun malfunctioned and unfortunately someone died. Of course they should be liable for that. But you know they sue the gun manufacturers to make them fearful, right? You know that. Of course you do. Ah, sipping my tea. I've had to swear off a coffee. And soda pop, drink my tea, green tea, tastes like butt, but it's supposed to be good for me. Look, I am an ab. Look, if you if you irresponsibly store your gun and somebody gets hurt with it, you should absolutely be responsible for that. If you're if you're negligent in any way, you should be responsible for that. But I don't think trigger locks, and I agree with uh, Larry uh, Pratt, trigger locks used on a gun to avoid being uh, subject to some sort of lawsuit, there's there's an application of the biblical requirement that a railing be placed around a flat rooftop of a house where people might congregate. It's actually in the Bible. But trigger locks are to be used with unloaded guns, which would be the same as requiring a railing around a pitch roof where people don't congregate. I'm not a fan of trigger locks. Now, you know they have um, they have these boxes, and, I, and my my good friend, who used to be totally against guns, uh, we grew up being best friends uh, all these years. I've known him since I was little. 
and, and been very, very close. Um, you know, he used to be anti-gun. And some things changed in him, and 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 but he he researched it. He got his permit to carry. He's he took his classes. He practices all of these things. Does all these things. But he did one more thing. He got that. Um, we were talking about gun boxes and how to store it because he's got a, a young son, who who it you know he, he's not exposed to the gun. So he, there's a biometrics where you lay your fingers, you teach the thing your fingerprints, and the only person who's able to open that gun box. And retrieve the gun is the person whose fingerprints belong to that gun. It's tremendous. Look, a, a firearm used for self-defense or self-protection, criminal attack. Uh, if you think that you're going to uh, find the key and unlock uh, a trigger lock and load the gun fast enough to defend your life, you're already dead. A firearm that's kept for self-defense, it should always be available in an emergency. And, and in, biblically speaking, um, rooftop railings have no correspondence to the need for instant access to a gun. On the other hand, guns that are not intended for immediate use, they should be secured. As a reasonable precaution, they should be reasonable thinking people should do that. But to make the owner criminally, the owner of the gun, criminally or monetarily liable for another person's misuse violates the basic commandment of Scripture. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. That's Ezekiel 18.20. Look, resisting, a lot of people talk about self-defense versus vengeance. We shouldn't be vengeful. Resisting an attack from an evil person is not to be confused with taking vengeance, which is the exclusive domain of God, Romans 12.19 in the Bible. Pratt says, this has been delegated to the civil magistrate, who, as we read in Romans 13, 4, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Private vengeance means one would stalk down a criminal after one's life. Look, if you're no longer in danger. You guys remember when Sean Maloney was on here? I just did two commercials for Second Call Defense, uh, and, and I want you to go to that. Use that code uh, 20630. Um, that's my code. You're going to get a free month, or Ninja. You're going to get a free month for that. you got to use those codes, 20630. Um, go to the website, The Ninja Pastor. Click on that link. It'll take you right to the place where you have to go. I'm telling you, folks, Sean Maloney, the, the, the CEO of that, he's an expert. He's been on here, I think, two or three times. He's an expert in Second, uh, Second Amendment defense. Uh, he will tell you, look, you can't hunt somebody down. Somebody breaks into your house and you find out somebody broke in. You don't go hunt them down and shoot them down. Now, in the old days you did, one less criminal. But you can't do that now. The Bible says private vengeance means somebody stalks somebody down after you're no longer in danger, as opposed to defending yourself during an attack. It's this very point that's been confused by Christian pacifists pacifist who would take this passage in the Sermon on the Mount about turning the other cheek, which is prohibiting private vengeance, into a command to falter before the wicked. The sixth commandment, folks, says thou shalt not murder. doesn't say thou shalt not kill. In the chapters following, God gave to Moses many of the situations which require a death penalty. God clearly has not told us never to kill. He's told us not to murder, which means we're not supposed to take an innocent life i.e. abortion. 
and, and I always get anytime I mention abortion, I always get a bazillion letters. It's in those forty thousand emails that are unread from me, uh, from people who've had an abortion, who say, "Look, you know, you're making me feel bad. Listen, I don't want to make you feel bad. I don't want you to. God, God forgives you." That person that goes to him and says, look, I'm a sinner. I'm a jacked up dude. I got a lot of hurts, habits, and hangups. No doubt about it. And I have to go to God and, and plead the blood of Jesus over the, the forgiveness and redemption that comes through Yeshua over my life and my sin. And you have that availability too. If, you, if you've had an abortion, listen, God will forgive you. You just have to put that before him and he will forgive you. The Sixth Commandment tells us, thou shalt not murder. And then God told Moses all the situations which would require a death penalty. But God never told us not to kill. He told us not to murder. The civil magistrate is to be a terror to those who practice evil. But listen, I I want you to understand, that passage doesn't, in no way does that passage imply that the role of law enforcement is to prevent crimes or protect individuals from criminals. Folks, cops aren't there to protect you from the law. They're there to report. I was a police officer, I can tell you. The Supreme Court has decided multiple times there is no obligation under the law. They've issued an opinion. A police officer, they're not mandated to protect your life. They're not mandated to protect your property. The magistrate is a minister to serve as an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. That's Romans 13.4. But that's not law enforcement. This point is reflected in the legal doctrine of the United States. Look, over and over and over, courts have held that the government has no responsibility. I just told you this. Bowers versus DeVito. There is no constitutional right to be protected by the state against being murdered. They don't even have to save your life. Do you understand that? Are you are you hearing me? Man, we are out of time. I cannot believe we're out of time. I just looked up and the, um, all these people are waving at me saying we're out of time. You know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do, just for you. I am going to finish this next week. I'm going to talk about self-defense in the New Testament, national blessings and cursings, Uh, And then I'm going to conclude that, and I've got some other stuff to talk about next week. Listen, I want you to know how much I appreciate you listening. Um, I appreciate you listening to the Borellis, Tom and Deneen, Dr. Tom and Deneen Borelli. Phenomenal people, weren't they? Just phenomenal. I'm so blessed to to have access to these people. And thank you again to Philly Bob for connecting us. It's just wonderful. Um, I appreciate you listening. TheNinjaPastor.com, if you want to support this ministry, Go over there and click on Donate. Also click on the Second Call Defense. Um, you're going to like it. It's it's some good stuff. Folks, I appreciate you. Please tell your friends. Please click on Subscribe. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com backslash the Ninja Pastor. Click on Sign Up. Uh, boom, you'll be signed up. You'll get all kinds of things. I so appreciate you. God bless you. God bless America. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor.
and follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.